Yummy. What's your favourite food and or if there was only one food that you could eat for the rest of your life, you had to eat it every single day, what would it be? And of course that's going to be different for everybody because we all have different likes and dislikes with food. Uh, my personal favourite, if I had one choice out of everything in the whole wide world, I would eat bread. Oh, heaven. <laughs> bread rolls, fresh white bread, muffins, crumpets, pizza base, sandwiches, uh, sourdough, garlic bread. I don't care. I love it. And every country has its kind of own bread, doesn't it? So we've got Indian has naan bread and we have... Uh, some countries make flat bread and some countries make bread and they put tomato and cheese on it and it's just awesome. And of course then if you go into the sandwich realm, yoo-hoo, we have everything from the good old Vegemite sandwich, uh, Vegemite and cheese sandwich, we've got ham, cheese and tomato sandwiches, woohoo! And you could go to a gourmet sandwich shop and put all sorts of amazing, expensive, gorgeous, delectable, delicious things on your sandwich which starts with bread. So is it good or bad? And as I've said this bread, for some people it creates inside their brain a horror story. Can't eat bread. It's bad for you. Uh, it's carbohydrate and it's gonna make you fat and it's gonna make you sick and it's really bad for you. That's this end of the scale. At this end of the scale, there's people like me who every single day the staple part of my diet is bread, whether it's, and it could be cereal for breakfast or toast for breakfast or muffins for breakfast or bagels for breakfast, sandwiches for lunch, and then bread, some kind of yummy bread or pizza base or something for dinner. So who's right, who's wrong, and what are you going to do? And it's a really controversial topic, and of course, I don't know your body, you don't know my body. You don't know what I like to eat, except I've told you I just love to eat bread. And I don't know what you love. But here's my great question. If there's something that you love to eat, who has got the right to tell you that you can't eat it? Uh, if there's something that makes you feel good, it's yummy in your mouth, it gives you a, a wow experience, it might bring back awesome memories. One of the things I love about fresh white bread in, in slices like this, for example, is when I was a little girl, my dad used to make my lunch and he used to buy this, and he used to actually cut the bread, he'd buy the, the big fluffy white bread uncut and then he would cut me these big fat sandwiches to take to school. And a lot of people at my school wanted to swap, we used to swap lunches, you know, I'll swap your Vegemite sandwich for a ham and cheese sandwich. Mind you, I went to a school where ham was against the law, isn't that interesting? There were no ham sandwiches at my school because ham was against our religion. And isn't that interesting? At this end of the scale, there's people eat for moral, ethical, personal reasons. And at this end of the scale, there's people who eat for pleasure. And is that right or is it wrong? And of course, it's completely up to you. Now, here's the challenge with any food, and I'll just use bread as the example uh, because it's such a controversial topic and there's a lot of people that are completely against bread. So again, at this end of the scale, there's people who have a carnivore diet, so they only eat meat. So out of this selection of fine food here, all they want to eat is the ham, but they wouldn't eat the ham either because it's in a packet. So there's a lot of people who are uh, carnivores and the only thing they eat is organic meat that they might have caught themselves or they've had butchered themselves or they've grown on their own farm. That's at this end of the scale. 
At this end of the scale are our vegan vegetarians who only eat organic fruit and vegetables and perhaps grains, but they certainly wouldn't eat white bread in a packet and they certainly wouldn't eat this beautiful, I just love the smell of it, that's why I've got it out there. And that's a big scale in between, so where do you fit into that scale? And are these people wrong, the plant-based vegan vegetarians, or are these people wrong, the carnivore people? And my suggestion is, and please consider, that there is no wrong. I always ask these really important questions when it comes to food. Number one, why do you eat? Is it for performance? Is it for pleasure? Is it a combination of both? And if you eat for performance, then what's going to make your body perform at its best? And if you eat for pleasure, what do you love the best? And let's say you've got some ideas on how to eat for performance and somebody comes along and says, you shouldn't eat that because it's bad for you. And whether or not they're right or wrong, if you've been eating that food and it's been helping you perform, why would you change it? If you eat for pleasure and somebody comes along and says, don't eat that, it's bad for you, why would you take something out of your diet that you thoroughly enjoy, that adds value to your life, that you think is yummy and delicious? Why would you take that out of your diet? And the interesting thing is, and I'll re re take go back a step, I hate the word diet, just the stuff that you eat. Uh, why do we eat what we eat? What's the purpose of it? What's the reason behind it? And is it possible that there are people that eat for different reasons than you and I? Uh, some people eat because they're hungry. Some people eat because they're angry. Some people eat because they're emotional. Some people eat because they're happy. Some people eat because they've had a bad day. Some people eat because they've had a good day. Some people eat by themselves because they don't want to eat with anybody watching them. And some people eat in a social group and it's a magnificent experience. Some people eat three times a day. Some people eat once a day. Some people eat once every two days. My question is always this though, and there's there's four of them, and I always and it's not just get an, an, one answer yes to any of these four questions. It's four yeses to these four questions. So number one, do you have a stack of energy? And this is not just some airy-fairy question. What do we need energy for? And if you wake up in the morning and you feel tired and lethargic and can't be bothered and your body doesn't get going, and if that maintains itself throughout the day, or you might wake up with energy but by three o'clock in the afternoon you're tired, or you, you want to stay up and socialize with your friends and family at six o'clock or seven o'clock at night and you're too tired, well, I've always got to ask this question, whatever you're eating may not be working for you. Because should we be able to demand from our eating plan that we have energy when we wake up and we maintain it throughout the day until we fall deeply asleep after an awesome day having expended all the energy that we need to expend? So number one is do you have a stack of energy all day, every day? Do you wake up with it? Do you go to bed with it? And do you wake up with it again? Number two is for, do you eat for performance or what do you need your body to perform for and should we be eating for performance? So do you have a stack of energy and are you performing at your best at every single thing that you do? Now whether that's that you have to sit at a desk all day and use your brain or whether you're an elite athlete and you're moving all day and everything in between, shouldn't we be able to demand from whatever we eat to have the energy to perform at our best all day, every day. So energy performance. Number three, for some people, is the most important one. For other people, they don't care anymore. But should you be able to demand from whatever you eat to give you a body that you like? <laughs> so yes, you perform well, but what about how do you look? And if you don't like the way you look, if you look in your mirror and you wish that you look differently, you might 
not have enough muscle, you might have too much fat, might be a combination of both, you might be too skinny, whatever it is, wouldn't it be nice to be able to ask of, demand of, and receive from your eating plan the body that you love to see naked in the mirror? Now, it might not be naked anymore, it might be they just want to look good in your clothes. Number one, energy. Number two, performance. Number three, do you look good? Do you like the way you look physically? And I'll add in, into that hair, skin, nails, posture, uh, bright eyes, good teeth, all the things that make us look good on the outside, where does that come from? And is it possible that some of that comes from the micronutrition we put into our body? So if you don't have healthy hair, bright eyes, good skin, strong fingernails, good posture, if the outside of your body is not doing what you want it to do and it's not looking the way you want it to look, perhaps we need to change the way we eat. The reverse of that though, if you have a stack of energy, if you are performing at your best, if you are loving what you see in the mirror, and number four is that you're getting the results that you want. So whatever reason you eat for, and if you're eating for pleasure, shouldn't you just eat for pleasure? Only eat the things that, that you love. Why would you eat food that you don't like? If you're eating for, if, and then remember, the res, your results are your results. When I ask the question, are you getting the results that you want from your eating plan? I'm not asking you to think about the bodybuilder, the best bodybuilder in the world, or the best bikini model in the world, or the best supermodel in the world, or the best tennis player, or whatever unique physical person you think has got a beautiful body. I'm asking you, what do you want? What results do you want from your eating plan? And this is where I think it's really personal and I have no right to even suggest to people what to eat. I just ask these questions. What do you think you should do? If you were your own high performance eating coach, what should you do? And I'll just, and because I've got bread in front of me, I'm going to use it as an example because I love it. And I'd like... I'd probably like to take a bit of stigma off the people who love bread but they're not eating it because somebody's told them that they shouldn't eat it. Now, if you don't like bread, don't eat it. I'll give you a quick story on that. I had a client who shared with me that she didn't even like bread. This was her really cool story. She said, oh, Rowie, I never really ate bread. I didn't eat, unlike me, she didn't have sandwiches at school. She said, I, didn't, I don't like toast for breakfast. I don't eat bread when we go out for dinner. She said, I don't really like bread. But I went to a expert on food and they told me that bread was bad for me and I couldn't eat it I shouldn't eat bread anymore don't eat bread it's bad for you and she said all of a sudden every time I saw a bakery every time I walked through the supermarket and saw a loaf of bread every time I saw somebody eating a sandwich every time there was bread at dinner which I never used to eat all of a sudden now because somebody says don't eat it can't have it she said, I just desperately wanted bread all the time. She said, I'd drive past the bakery, stop the car and buy bread. And I never used to do that. Is it possible that if we tell people can't have, mustn't have, don't have, shouldn't have, that they might want it more? Is it possible that if we just treat all food as food, eat when we're hungry, stop eating when we're full, eat the things that we like to eat, don't eat the things that we don't like, is it possible that that whole process of food could become less complicated? So, for example, I go back to bread. I eat a lot of bread for a reason. I do a lot of exercise. I puff every 15 minutes for 10 seconds. I put my body under intense pressure physically every 15 minutes. It's only 10 seconds, but I put my body into the phosphate system for 10 seconds and get really puffed every 15 minutes. That's only 10 seconds, but I'm, I go till I can't breathe. 
Now that energy only comes from carbohydrate. I move all day because I have a tread desk, so I'm constantly moving. Now that's not at high intensity at all, but I'm constantly moving. But also while I'm moving, I'm using my brain. And I'm, I don't, uh, everything I do has to be created. Yes, I learn from other people and I listen to lectures and I read books and I go to seminars and I listen to the best endocrinologists, cardiologists, exercise physiologists, psychologists, neuroscientists in the world. But I then have to take that information and turn it into something that people can understand because most of those people talk in a, in a language and a, and a vocabulary that most people don't understand. So I'm sharing that with you because everything that I learn, everything that I hear, everything that I listen to, everything that I create, everything that I do, I'm using my brain constantly. So at the same time that I'm moving on my tread desk, I'm also, my brain is always firing. Now, the, the mechanism for your brain to function the fuel that your brain uses is glucose. And now you can argue that, but I'll use this simple example. God forbid you end up in a hospital and you're unconscious or you can't eat, you'll be given a glucose drip. It won't be a ketone drip. It won't be a protein drip. It won't be a fat drip. They will give you a glucose drip. And there's a reason for that because, of course, your brain runs on glucose. And what does your brain control? So if your brain's not getting the fuel that it needs, nothing else works. So for me, I'm constantly thinking, and as we know, we only store half a kilo of carbohydrate. Glucose for the brain, glycogen for the muscles, glycogen for the liver. And we need some blood sugar running around in our bloodstream. Interesting though, because the high blood sugar levels is what causes cardiovascular disease. I don't want high blood sugar levels either. I don't want big carbohydrate glucose molecules running around in my bloodstream. I don't want high blood, blood sugar levels so I get type 2 diabetes. But when you sprint every 15 minutes, you burn up that blood sugar. <laughs> That's what, when you release epinephrine, adrenaline, cortisol to get you to go hard, 100% effort, that takes the sugar out of the, the glycogen out of the muscles, uh, glycogen out of the liver, puts sugar into the bloodstream, glycogen, glycogen, sugar, carbohydrate, all the same thing, puts that sugar, blood sugar into your bloodstream so you can go, so you can burn it up. If you eat sugar and then you exercise, obviously you're going to burn it up. And I always use the example of kids because we do joke about this or we get angry about this where we say kids shouldn't eat sugar. They shouldn't have cordial. They shouldn't eat lollies or don't give kids sugar because it makes them run around. How about we ask the question the other way around? Why is it that when kids eat sugar, they run around? <laughs> is it possible that their beautiful young bodies are such finely tuned machines, that when you put sugar into your body, your body says, let's go. It's a movement macronutrient. <laughs> Carbohydrate is the mechanism to allow you to run, not walk. Remember, there's three energy systems. Phosphate for go, 10 seconds. Lactate system, 10 seconds to two minutes. And then aerobic system, two minutes and up to 20 hours or longer where we're using a combination of carbohydrate and fat. Now, that's the other interesting thing, and we, this is the reason why bread for me is so important. When I'm walking, which is just all day long, I'm, when you talk about 10,000 steps, some days I do 30, 40, 50,000 steps because I'm at my desk for a long time. That's the aerobic system. When you work at a speed that you can just keep going and going and going, your body is now in the aerobic system where you're burning a combination of carbohydrate and fat. But remember, we only store half a kilo of carbohydrate 
Fat, we store unlimited amounts. Now, unless you are very thin and your, your fat cells are empty, remember we've got 40 to 50 billion fat cells, all of us, and I always joke about this because I didn't count them. Somebody did, but we've got a lot of fat cells. And they can be empty or they can be really full. And again, I, I have to um, remind you, and I know that you know this already, but we don't just have 40 to 50 billion fat cells. But each one of those fat cells has a little baby, the only way I can explain is a baby fat attached. So that if the fat cell gets too fat, if it gets too full, then that fat cell can split into two. That little baby fat cell can also become another fat cell. So we can keep getting fatter and fatter and fatter. So the aerobic system, which is a combination of burning fat and carbohydrate, we only store half a kilo of carbohydrate we only store half a kilo of carbohydrate, bread, rice, pasta, lollies, sugar, but we can have unlimited fat stores. And the other now connection that's really important, because a lot of people say, if I eat bread, I'm going to get fat. If I eat cereal, I'm going to get fat. If I eat too many lollies and chocolates and too much carbohydrate, I'm going to get fat. And that's true. If we eat too much of anything, we're going to get fat. Because once the body's got, once my carbohydrate stores are full, once your carbohydrate stores are full, the body says, well, I can't store more than half a kilo. What am I going to do with the extra that you've put in? So the body will take you through de novo lipogenesis, which is turning carbohydrate into fat. But it's a process. It doesn't just go click magic. This loaf of bread has ended up on the back of my arm. This loaf of bread has ended up on my bum. No. The process of turning carbohydrate into fat takes energy. So if I've got 100 kilos, that's 100 kilos, if I've got 100 grams of carbohydrate, 100 calories of carbohydrate, doesn't matter which way you look at it, the energy that it takes to turn the carbohydrate into fat, to know the lipogenesis, takes away about 25% of those calories. So it's a complicated process, but your body will do it. Why am I sharing that with you? Because will bread make you fat? It could. Will tomatoes make you fat? They could. Now, you'd have to eat a bloody lot of tomatoes because they are very low in calories. When you eat bread, of course, they're higher in calories. If you put too many calories in, too many unit measurement units of energy into your body, your body says, what am I going to do with it? Remember, we'll just go through the process again. Carbohydrate, store half a kilo. After that, I'm going to turn it into fat via de novo lipogenesis, lose 25% of the calories because of the process. Protein's the same, but interesting, a bit harder to eat a lot of protein because it has a higher satiety index. I'm, I think I've shared that before, where when you put protein into a meal, it makes you feel fuller. High satiety means high satisfaction, high fullness. So carbo uh, sorry, protein's a little bit harder to eat too much of because it makes you feel full. Fat, as I shared, and I'll keep sharing it, we'll use the peanut butter because this is another one that people get a little bit caught up in. High in fat, high in carbohydrate, high in protein. It's one of those perfect foods, but also really high in calories. If you eat too much of anything, it'll turn into fat. Fat is already fat, and we have unlimited storage for fat. So we can go from 40 billion fat cells to 80 billion fat cells, and they can get bigger and bigger, which means we can be... 100 kilogram people, 200 kilogram people, we've now got 300 kilogram people. Yes, your body can get fat from eating all food, not just bread, not just peanut butter, not just lollies, not just chocolate. If you eat too much of anything, you'll end up putting on fat, your fat. Everything will convert into fat and fat is already fat and we just keep getting fatter and fatter. But we don't have to because when you're really fit, 
Your body becomes a carbohydrate burning machine when you exercise. And I always have a, this is almost a joke now. I don't want to burn fat when I'm exercising. I have no interest in burning fat when I'm exercising. Because exercise is the stimulus to turn your body into a fat burning machine when you're resting. So when you exercise, you want your body to be burning carbohydrate. Because in the phosphate system and the lactate system, the energy source is carbohydrate. The harder you exercise, the less fat you burn. If you exercise at 100%, you don't burn any fat. And I'm only interested in 100%. That means I need a lot of carbohydrate because I'm burning a lot of carbohydrate. So here's a, I'm going to just put this in really simple terminology. You ready? Don't move much, can't eat much. Move much at high intensity, have to eat much. And when you can eat, and I, again, it's almost become a, a mantra for me, turn your body into a food-burning, fat-burning, calorie-burning, carbohydrate-burning, sugar-burning machine. <laughs> because when you uh, have a body that burns calories fast, when you have a high metabolism, when you have a high, even resting metabolic rate, your base metabolic rate goes higher when you've got more muscle and when you exercise more often, which is really exciting. But the really, really cool one is your RQ, your respiratory quotient. When you get really fit and when you get really strong, when you exercise, your body needs carbohydrate, which means it wants to save the carbohydrate for when you sprint and when you lift heavy. So it literally evolves so that when you're resting, it doesn't want to burn carbohydrate, it wants to burn fat. So your respiratory quotient is simply where are the calories coming from, which means when you exercise, you burn carbohydrate. When you're resting, your body burns fat, predominantly fat, never 100% fat, but it turns its respiratory quotient. I want to burn fat, I want to burn fat because I want to save the carbohydrate for when she makes me sprint and when she makes me lift heavy, which for somebody like me is on a regular basis every 15 minutes, a hard, intense 10 seconds, which of course is not very long. So again, I'm going to wrap all of that up. What do you love to eat? And should you always include it in your eating plan? Please say yes. What don't you like to eat? Don't eat it. Don't waste calories, time, energy, headspace on food that you don't eat, don't like. Don't eat it. <laughs> Why do you eat? If you're eating for performance, what do you need to do to give you great performance? But I'll go one step for, further on that. Does performance have something to do with your headspace as well? And apart from the fact that your brain runs on glucose, so you need carbohydrate for your brain, is it possible that if you're feeling guilty or feeling stressed or feeling angry or feeling annoyed because you can't have, mustn't have, don't have the foods that you love, or you ate the foods that you love and you feel guilty, that you totally screw up your brain. So then your capability of exercising hard, and I, I cannot share with you how many times as an exercise professional people have shared with me, I didn't exercise today because I felt tired or lethargic or lazy or depressed. Uh, I felt guilty because I ate too much yesterday. And there's an interesting connection there, isn't there? A lot of people connect their food with their exercise. So if I eat crappy food, I'll just skip out my exercise because I feel bad, I feel guilty. Or if I miss my exercise, I'll just eat whatever I bloody well want because I feel bad and I've missed it, so I'll start again next Monday. I don't want that for anybody. <laughs> I want everybody to love their food. Eat what you love. Don't eat what you don't like. Eat when you're hungry. Stop eating when you're full. And eat the foods that give you the best performance, the highest energy levels. Love what you see in the mirror and make sure that you're getting the results that you want. So before you listen to somebody tell you what you can and can't eat and how much you should and shouldn't eat and what's the right or wrong thing to eat, how about ask yourself this question? If I've got a stack of energy, if I'm performing at my best, if I love what I see in the mirror and if I'm getting the results that I want, 
Why would I change my eating plan? If you're not getting the results that you want, if you're not performing at your best, if you don't have high energy levels and you don't love what you see in the mirror, how about start with this? Just eat a bit less. Is it possible that if we keep overloading our body with food that we don't need, we feel tired and lethargic and your body slows down because it's so busy burning up all the food that you're putting into it? So rather than I can't have, mustn't have, don't have all my favorite foods, I don't eat bread, it's bad for me, can't have chocolate, it's bad for me, can't drink alcohol, it's bad for me, whatever it is that you love, rather than cutting those things out of your diet, out of your eating plan, how about just eat a little bit less of them so that you don't screw with your head? So again, wrap it up. Move more, eat more. Don't move very much, don't need to eat very much. I love to move, so I'm going to eat much because I love food. How about you?